Hey everyone, it's Gabby and Danny and Manny and you're listening to Oye, Let's Talk. Hey everyone, we're here to talk about a very tough topic, fair warning, but also a very necessary one. Mental health has been, for the most part, making headlines and I guess part of pop culture now. It's something that people keep talking about but it looks different in each community and in every person. There's different aspects to it, and that's what we're going to dive into today, beginning with what even is mental health in the terms of mental illness. So for those who don't know, mental illness is a general term. It's like an umbrella term for a group of illnesses that may impact whether it's like a person's thoughts, perceptions, feelings, and behaviors. So this can range from anxiety, depression, which I think are the most common terms um, that people may know of, but it can also um, include eating disorders to schizophrenia, for example. Yeah, I would think that anxiety is definitely one that's kind of been at the forefront, but other ones that I, I don't want to say are more extreme cases, but probably what people think of at a different spectrum would be like post-traumatic stress disorder or psychosis even obsessive compulsive disorder, that's one that people toss out a lot, but don't really have a diagnosis mm -hmm. for it. And the reason why we're bringing all of this up today is to help eliminate the stigma, because as we're easing out of this pandemic, the loneliness, the isolation, all of that has really heightened some of these feelings and some of the awareness surrounding mental health. And Manny, I'm sure you can jump in on this too. I, I feel personally like the Latinx community, like it's not talked enough about that. The stigma is really huge for us. Extremely. I feel right before we got, we started this episode, I was just talking to my girlfriend and she suffers from generalized anxiety disorder. And in her family, her having a mental condition was super taboo. There was such a big stigma to it. What people don't realize is how much religion plays into the way that our community sees mental illnesses, mental health conditions. And the reason my girl, um, one of the things my girlfriend got a lot was that she, her faith wasn't strong enough. Or sometimes you'll hear people say, Oh, you, you're not praying hard enough. Mm -hmm. And it's, it has this religious facet to it of connecting, you know, your mental condition to your, devotion to god which is hard you know yeah that's terrible like you're what you probably would lean on for support is kind of being used against you and i know we've kind of been combining mental illness and mental health and not to say that anyone who may be diagnosed with any type of mental health condition is particularly like extraordinarily sick but it is something to deal with so like how manny was talking about his girlfriend like I could only imagine that one's mental health when already dealing with a mental health condition is deteriorating in other facets because you have other people not supporting you in that. And it's actually way more common than you think. Like as Manny probably would tell us, you are not alone because he always says that in most of our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, That's guys, so there's 7 billion people on this planet. I feel yeah. like, a lot of people will think that experiences are specific to them, but it makes you or it makes I feel us as humans, it makes us feel a little better knowing that 
there's a shared experience of someone facing similar obstacles like you. And with that being said, I just want to throw some stats about mental health conditions. One in five U.S. adults actually experience some type of mental illness each year. And one in 20 U.S. adults will experience serious mental illness each year. And just to put that in perspective, think about everyone knows at least, think of five people in your friend group. One of those people may have mental illness, you know, or and or think about 20 groups of uh, 20 of your closest friends, one of those people might have a serious mental illness. So it's a lot more common than we think, just as Gabby said. And remember one thing, listeners or everyone out there, you're not alone in any mental health condition that you are facing. I think what's hard about mental health in general is that it's it's not something you can control. It's not something you can see. It's, you know, it's very personal to each individual. And if they don't want to open up, you may never know that they have a condition. Um, They themselves might not even know they have a condition. And as I was thinking about this topic um, for this particular episode, I was thinking back and, you know, a lot of my roommates, a lot of my close friends, I would argue most of my best friends deal with you know, some sort of anxiety or depression. Um, Like both of you said, it's very, very common. It often goes undiagnosed because we think we're being, you know, exageradas or somos demasiado locas or, oh, it's just stress. We all have stress. Life is stressful, you know. Um, And sometimes it's more than just stress. Um, Me in particular, I've never dealt with anything severe. I don't think I've ever undergone depression or had like severe OCD or an eating disorder, but I've, I have had anxiety attacks like twice in my life. Um, and it's like I said before, it's like a feeling that you feel like you're not in control of something. It's usually caused by stressors. Um, and I'm a planner. I love planning. If something goes, um, seems to be going off course and I feel like there's no solution, I freak out. And there's been like two particular instances that I can recall in my adulthood where I just I just panicked. I just like stopped. I started crying. I couldn't stop sobbing uncontrollably. You know, I was shaking. I, I like I I cried for I don't know how long, like maybe 15 minutes straight. And I just it was like an overwhelming sense of stress. It's not just like your everyday stress, because I think all of us as journalists or as like human beings, as you know, adulting goes by you you deal with a lot of new things in your life but when it's like random stressors that life throws at you it's I don't know it's like a curveball so Um, essentially like a mental breakdown is what you had yeah pretty much Yeah, yeah yeah so kind of going into that there that goes back to the whole mental illness versus um mental health right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. as Manny mentioned about one in five adults have some sort of mental illness or untreated mental health condition or not untreated, but di- a diagnosed mental health condition. But of the, of that group, Princeton university says 60% were left untreated. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people could have multiple mental breakdowns or just think that something is part of their personality when in fact it's something that needs to be addressed. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Like how to know if it needs to be addressed to make sure that people understand you're not alone and that it's way more common to kind of erase the stigma a little bit. 
I kind of want to talk about the causes of mental illnesses and mental health conditions. Research shows us that it's usually a combination of different factors. And those factors include genetics. Mental illnesses can be inherited or there are certain genes that could increase your risk of developing a certain illness. Your environment is a big factor. Think about a traumatic life event, a big death in your family, or you were in a car accident that you know may cause trauma for the rest of your life. Lifestyle is another factor. Um, think about someone who has a very stressful job or has a home life that's very demanding of them. That's a big factor. And the last one is brain chemistry. Um, these different neural networks in your brain with all these different levels of neurotransmitters, they, they can be impaired and then that could lead to emotional disorders if there's any damage or there's an imbalance in brain chemistry. So essentially, essentially you can be born with, with a disorder or you can like grow into one, right? Depending on the environment and the lifestyle and how you surround yourself. Even, even if it's genetic, you know, you may grow up in an environment that may not exasperate, you know, that habit or mm -hmm. that behavior. So it's a combination of everything. And I think one thing that's super common, especially in the Latinx culture is, oh, so-and-so wasn't always like that, or they recently turned that way, or this is a new development. But again, going back to the facts, 50% of all lifetime mental illness kind of starts to show up by age 14 when you're developing, and then 75% by age 24. So I'm Wild. sure some people are familiar, but the time to keep an eye out for schizophrenia is like 23 through 25 years old, because that's when it truly starts to develop. Oh like if you have fully developed some sort of mental health condition, like you may not know until your thirties. So a lot of, a lot of life could be lived, changed or adjusted before something could be detected. And they're not, you know, mutually exclusive. You can have anxiety and OCD and et cetera. So knowing this, it's important to continuously check up on yourself and see how you're feeling, especially after major moves in life, or especially if you know that your genetics may include something, because the development factor of any type of mental health condition is always lingering, which is not to scare anyone, but it just kind of puts it in the forefront of it's okay if you develop something later or if you notice different behaviors in someone else as we get older. That's a good point, Gabby. And I think it's very easy to confuse the terms. And I think that we need to stop as a society, as, you know, children trying to be cool and saying like, oh, that was very OCD of me. Or, you know, I, I have a very like OCD thing with whatever particular thing you're trying to describe, um, because that's very insulting to people that actually have, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder and they deal with this on a daily basis. I can't imagine it being fun and for us to just use that terminology for the sake of describing something and literalmente siendo exageradas like I don't I don't think we should keep doing that if that makes sense. No, I absolutely agree. And the other thing to consider is that these mental health conditions like they're also changing like the world of mental health as we're bringing it to the forefront. Um some conditions are changing in terms of range and spectrum like personally i there's been an argument about are there hyper 
hyper diagnosis are people being diagnosed way too often, way too easily? Like, do people mm. really match up with everything? And so that's something else to consider. Like, just because you show some signs, does that mean it's full fledged and et cetera? And an or example, high functioning too, right? Yes. Like, what does that mean? Like, are you low functioning, high functioning? Like, what? So there's been a lot of questions surrounding that. I've been trying to educate myself on that topic in particular because my brother, who's older than me, was suspected of having autism when he was younger but in the 90s autism wasn't a spectrum you either had it or you didn't so then later on in life when he went to a therapist like there's different periods where he went to a psychiatrist and such but one time it was okay you have adhd but you're not really hyperactive like you tick in different ways or later he was diagnosed with ocd because it didn't quite match up with add and then later on, it was suspected that he was depressed and had Asperger's. We were all very hesitant about the depression one. He didn't even feel like that aligned. But we felt that it was too quick to diagnose after one or two sessions. So now Asperger's doesn't even exist anymore. And he's now 30. So just, just in one person's lifetime, I've just seen how diagnosis has changed. And now autism's on a spectrum. And what goes with autism, like they don't if someone's autistic, they don't really diagnose them with anxiety or OCD because the symptoms are similar to autism and et cetera. I don't want to ramble on this too long, but it just goes to show that what may be a mental health condition one year can drastically change a few years later, as what can the medication or coping mechanisms. And to, and to that point, Gabby, homosexuality was a was considered mm-hmm. a mental health condition at one point you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't have a date, but that was definitely a thing. So yeah, I think constantly our understanding of, you know, the brain and its conditions is constantly evolving. There's a lot we still don't know. And I think I'm going to harp on what you said about like conditions in general. There's such a wide spectrum of everything. There's so many different people and it's hard and it's hard and erroneous to generalize, you know, all this with a simple word, you know, because everyone's different. I think one of the most important takeaways, hopefully from this episode is also that, you know, we can't simply ignore what's happening to us. If, you know, you're going through something that seems more than just like a stress factor in your life, if it's continuous, there's a lot of medications out there where doctors will prescribe so that the child or the individual going through something will stay mellow, will stay um, normal, so to speak, um, but it doesn't treat you. It's not a treatment. It it doesn't make you a high functioning individual. You're basically in la la land uh, the entire day. I don't think we should say that because medication is a form of treatment. It is. I'm just saying that a lot of um, times when something goes wrongly, I understand diagnosed, what you're saying. Uh-huh. Like just because, and I'm I'm talking from personal experience because my brother has a, a mental disorder. Like I don't want to get super into it but he was diagnosed when he was young and I remember that the doctors didn't know what he had they thought he had OCD ADHD kind of like Gabby situation he has what's called pandas um, and it's associated with strep throat basically he had strep uh, continuously when he was little and um, it was dormant in his in his um, bloodstream went to the brain um, caused inflammation in the brain um, and it, it went undetected and there's thousands and thousands of cases of this particular disorder 
but it was such a new thing that when my parents took my brother to multiple doctors in state out of state like it was a crazy ordeal nobody knew what was wrong with this 80 year old kid like nobody knew my parents were going crazy um and and they just wanted a quick fix they wanted to give him some sort of medication that they normally give kids with ocd adhd to kind of numb him make him like more normal quote unquote and i think a lot of the times you know, we don't know what's wrong with us, but we can, we know ourselves best. And if what the doctors are telling you to do doesn't seem like the right fit, because like, like what Gabby was saying, like, if the diagnosis doesn't align with what you're feeling, then you need to be your own advocate and stand up for what it is that you're really feeling. Like, don't ignore doctors' advice, but also make sure that what they're saying coincides with what you're feeling, if that makes sense. Yes, and I think this is an excellent segue because in the same token, seeing my brother heavily medicated and go in and out of medication to treat mental health conditions, which ended up being like, he's neurologically different. Like at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, it's not Mm -hmm. the same thing. And I think we're diving a little bit into mental illness, but just to kind of reel it back and share some of my personal experience. Um, I struggled for a long time finding a therapist. I don't currently go to one, but when I was younger, I had a very, very isolated traumatic events, which would, I believe, warrant a therapist. But again, going back to the Latinx culture, being the young daughter of Hispanic parents, one being an immigrant, there was just a lot of things I felt I couldn't share that I bottled up and kept to myself. So in college, finally went to go see counselors. I couldn't consistently see them, which this is very sad because unfortunately the university didn't have enough counselors to take in all of the students that wanted to see one, which is very unfortunate that the free resource was like, hey, I can see you in two years. I can maybe squeeze you in for one or two sessions. Yeah, it was bad, but at the same time, it was eye-opening of like how many people needed this in college. Wow, I didn't know that a huge transitionary period, but in meeting with a therapist a few times there, they at least gave me coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. But when I saw an actual psychiatrist, they were in my first session, they were recommending medicine and saying that I was depressed and whatnot. And I thought that was very interesting because I just, my entire life, I was told that I stress out too much. So being told that I was depressed, I'm like, it could make sense. College was difficult. This is at point was my junior year. So it wasn't like a huge adjustment. But it was a lot of old feelings that I didn't deal with as a young teenager that I had to deal with then. Um, Fast forward a few years, I never took the medication, didn't do it. I'm starting my first job in the middle of nowhere, Missouri. I don't know anyone, quite the culture shock, decided to go see a therapist because I was struggling to cope, to get out of bed even in some cases, like it, w- it would be funny that I was wearing a Fitbit and I would do like standing and like calorie goals with everyone else who had a Fitbit and some people would check on me like, Hey, you haven't moved all day. Are you okay? And it's and that's how bad it was. So after the fourth time getting a text from someone saying like, this is a frequent occurrence now that you're not really moving. Um, you need a reason to get out of bed. You need to go talk to someone found a therapist and I struggled to find one. I specifically was looking for someone who could do multicultural therapy Cause in the middle of Missouri, I needed someone who understood me. I was trying to find a woman preferably, but I emailed a few different ones. Like it was tough. Like 
it's like dating, right? Like swipe left, swipe right. That's crazy. I would yes. have never thought it would be that hard. Like I, I feel like people preach about getting a therapist all the time and how it's like a oh, thing no. and it's re highly recommended. And most people, even if you are okay or you feel like you're okay and there's nothing wrong with your life, people still suggest you have one. So that's a little bit eye-opening to me. No, because I was also being picky. I knew where I was and I learned from UF that I had slim pickings there, but I didn't, I had more options here and a huge factor was cost, right? But to continue, I ended up paying out of pocket, someone out of network for my insurance because I felt that that man aligned and he wasn't, I was looking for a, preferably a woman of color to speak to, but he was previously a journalist, got his start in investigative journalism. So I thought he could understand my work stuff. He lived in Chicago and stuff, but now is in the middle of Missouri. I, I just felt like a lot of things made sense. And then he he expressed to me, like, I think people diagnosed you with depression, but what I see is just acute displacement disorder. It must have been a major displacement disorder from where you were because you were adjusting. And I'm like, well, what do I do with that? And he's like, to be honest, acute displacement disorder is a BS diagnosis. It's one of those things that, like, it's a label to put on someone feeling a certain type of way, but your feelings are you're in a brand new place, you're doing brand new things, you don't have so much of a support system here, you're starting all over and you're ambitious. So this makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. And I took that to heart how it is true that you could be diagnosed with something, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing or that you need to go find a way to fix it. He's like, you're going to grow out of this as you get more comfortable. And he's like, the same thing as what you may have been experiencing in college may have not necessarily been depression it just must have been like a lot of things catching up to you that you didn't address so instead of saying you have this let's medicate like let's work through the other issues that you were speaking of so for anyone listening still and and <laughs> and can resonate with my story a diagnosis isn't a bad thing and going back to danny's point like medication isn't the first rule but i did learn how to cope and i think that's where this conversation goes next and I think getting a second opinion is also important because Gabby, I don't know who, who, who kept telling you that it's just stress. Like they're, they're just stressors. I wonder if it's like family members, friends, just people that like see you on a daily basis. And while that could be somewhat of a fair assessment at the end of the day, like Gab or like what Manny was saying, like they're not professionals, you know, they're not people that work in science and medicine all the time that know and understand the brain. And like what Manny was saying earlier, the brain is an organ that we still don't know a lot about. And I think that's the biggest thing too, that even professionals still don't understand a lot of the neuroscience behind it. Well, before we talk about how we cope with this, I want to talk about my own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and I will, before I say anything, I will preface that this is just my own personal experience. Um, and my girlfriend, like I said earlier, does suffer from generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and when I spoke to her that we were going to do this episode, she was like, I think it's very important that you mention having a partner with a mental health condition. And one of the big things that she wanted me to drive, she she told me, she was like, someone's partner isn't, they're, they shouldn't be fixing your problem. They're not there to, you know, get rid of your mental health condition. They're there to be supportive of your journey. They're there to hold your hand. They're there to, for you to have a shoulder to lean on when you need it. But mm -hmm. 
your partner does not take on the responsibility. And she gave me the example of Ariana Grande and Mac mm -hmm. Miller. And a lot of people, you know, almost shaming Ariana Grande for not staking it with Mac Miller because he was, you know, going through this flat out yeah. shaming like yeah. she received and like hundreds that's great i didn't messages. you guys can you guys can fill in on that because i had no idea that that was such a big thing that people were like no she is she is responsible and i think that's a big stigma that was so messed up yes that es essentially they were blaming her for someone else's choice life choice and that is something to drive home about like no one should guilt you if they are feeling a certain type of way it should guilt you into establishing a relationship or keeping one no one should tell you um how dare you not support me when i'm going through this because as manny mentioned at the end of the day people are there to support you hold your hand but danny said this too the average person isn't a doctor or a medical health professional or someone super familiar with this it's very much uncharted territory so the more we give those who we lean on some grace the more likely they are to show grace to us and on that token i think it's very important to be patient and my partner my girlfriend was very open about it at the very beginning she's like you know i this is i have this and you're gonna have to be patient at times and i'm like okay so it's important to set those expectations and ask your partner what they what you need of them you know how 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 is it i can help in those moments um that you need me most um i also wanted to mention gabby yes overwhelming on the whole therapist thing everyone talks about it like yeah go get a therapist but just like you even in my like first health like coverage is a thing it's like which ones are gonna which ones does my insurance cover if you even have insurance then like you said i also wanted someone of color someone who would understand my perspective so you it is kind of like you know you're like very very picky and then there's different fields of expertise and different forms of therapies that you can have so it's very overwhelming overwhelming definitely. and after you go through just your list of what you're looking uh -huh. for you have uh -huh. to meet them and be like can uh -huh. i tell this person my yes. personal life like yes. can i be like that and mm -hmm. if anyone watches this is us i'm so sure yes. you can resonate yes so randall this is a spoiler please skip the next 20 seconds randall is coming to terms with him himself as a black man and exploring his race and he was going to a female therapist and then he decides i need a black man as my therapist because that's mm. who i would feel comfortable talking yeah. to yeah. and i remember thinking like wow this is excellent finally i'm watching on tv what i went through and i was mm -hmm. watching the episode with my mother which she does not know that i've even seen two different therapists in my lifetime and i'm like this is the media representation we need for this topic yeah so yeah. question gabby without getting like super personal and totally okay if you don't want to address it but you just said my mom doesn't know that i see therapists like in general or that you see two at a time and why like are, are... that i've seen two different ones so oh, okay. to to get into it and i'll be open about this because i want people to understand like the depths of what i've gone through because i've come a long way so just when i was a kid i was sent to the school counselor a lot told even as like a seven or eight year old that i stress out too easily then in high school, I was in a very rigorous academic course where staying up late, studying, whatever. So everyone just kind of attributed my stressors to that. 
-hmm. But when my grandfather died, I think I was, it was eighth grade going into my ninth grade year. He was like the core rock in my family. So that was really tough. And I learned to cope with stress essentially by throwing up. So I went through a period of bulimia, which I was like, I aming therapists at the time, like on AOL. And that's how I got help and learned to cope like with random people and random free sessions online, which is wow. not good for like a young 13, 14 year old girl to be going through. And then later on in my high school experience, <laughs> this is a little awkward for me to say. So this is a trigger warning for anyone listening. Um, has to do with sexual assault, but I was raped at 16, 17 years old. And I had to see my rapist in high school and then later in college. So it was really tough to deal with that and to tell myself it's okay, like get over it. And going back to the Latinx culture, it's the idea of virginity was very important to me and that's what was driven into me. So having to either face my parents or keep the secret, I felt bad about myself and it wasn't my fault at the end of the day. So I feel like that's the tough thing to discuss with my mom. Like those were the issues that in, sorry, those were the issues that in college, the counselor just wrote it off as you're depressed because you mm -hmm. never dealt with those feelings. And later on, the new therapist was like, you're not depressed. You're adjusting from trauma, but you're doing really well in that case. Right. But the thing that I haven't addressed is discussing that with my family. And for anyone listening, like one, the easiest part is perhaps explaining to yourself your decisions or your way of thought. The hardest part is telling people that you care about and how they're going to react to you. So needless to say, I did tell my parents what happened in high school, the part that they weren't the most excited about. And it's still a work in progress is the best way I can put it. Um, but I don't want to discourage anyone that live your truth be open about it because the more that you say it or whether it's mental illness or sexual assault, like if you are honest to others, people are more accepting. And the more we take away the stigma, the less hush hush it'll be and the more that we can hold mm -hmm. people accountable. A hundred percent. And even if it's not like maybe in your instance, Gabby, and I think it goes for a lot of people, you're not comfortable sharing it with your parents. You know, you're not comfortable sharing it with your family, but maybe you are comfortable enough to share with your best friend or, you know, your your close friend that you haven't seen in years who maybe lives in another country. And, you know, you just need like that shoulder, that ear um, for someone to to listen to you, like not necessarily give you uh, guidance or advice, but you just need to let it out, if that makes sense. So. Yes. And that actually goes back to Manny's point, which I'm really glad you and your girlfriend are very open about it. Yeah. But yeah, I still dated and such, or I still have an interesting relationship with food. But at the end of the day, it's my business, something that I'm working through. I'm very lucky to have a partner right now who's willing to work through it with me or understands the days that I need to lean on someone or if I don't want to watch a certain movie because of reasons like Mm -hmm. Yes, you can't lean on your partner to fix it, but you can lean on them to help you get through it because this is a journey. Like I tell people all the time, any type of, it's like you always constantly being in recovery, like not to make such a dramatic parallel, but 
people who are alcoholics or learning to recover from drug abuse, like you're always on the road to recovery. And I would say that whether you have a mental health condition or that you're dealing with an with anxiety or OCD, like you're going to have bad days and you're going to have good days. And you're always on that road to recovery to just be the best you that you can be when the t- when you can show up for yourself like that. And you're lucky to have people in your corner too, to help you reach that point. I think a lot of the times, you know, having a health condition in our community, in the Latinx community, it's a big sign of weakness. Oh, you're seeing a therapist. Oh, you're taking medication. Oh, you're, it's such, you know, it's a stigma. It's a taboo, but it's, it's like a, like you're sinning. It's such, it's, you know, it's so abhorrent that you're, you're trying to fix yourself. And I want to share I mean, I don't personally face or endure any mental health conditions, but my girlfriend does. And growing up, her family saw her mental health conditions as a weakness and even would, you know, she's applying to go to medical school right now. And they would almost tell her that if she had this mental health condition, she couldn't be a doctor or she couldn't be successful. Yeah. So it's like very demoralizing when your own community... Yeah, dismisses dismisses your health, con- um, your mental health. You know, that's so sad because you shouldn't be crippled by it either, or people shouldn't like pull the rug out from under you. Like everyone deserves to follow their dreams or pursue what they want to pursue. This sh- this shouldn't be an obstacle, if anything. I would think the contrary. Like because they've experienced something of that sort, they could better understand their clients and their patients because they can relate. Yeah. As Danny just mentioned, like you have experiences that can help others. And I think the reason why some people have that perspective is because you've learned to cope and you're ready to pass that along to others. And a few ways to cope is beyond therapy. That's like a treatment at the end of the day. But it's understanding who you are as a person and recognizing your triggers because the scariest part is not knowing if you're just stressed or if you're about to have an episode or a mental health breakdown or a mental breakdown period, because people are allowed to have those like Mm -hmm. life gets complicated. Mm -hmm. And the, the first step is reaching out for help and receiving that diagnosis. Once you have received that diagnosis from a mental health professional, not from your best friend, not from your parents, not from your teachers, from a mental health professional. There are different treatments that you can find to cope with this mental health condition. And people usually, you know, use a combination of this because not every treatment is a one size fits all for everybody. And that includes medication, which, as Danny said earlier, risk and benefits need to be weighed out when sometimes those risks aren't worth the benefits of being drowsy or taking away your creativity. Um, Counseling and therapy is also another form of treatment. And there are so many treatments out there for different types of things. There are specific um, treatment for people with post-traumatic stress disorder where they use rapid eye movement or like a tap or a click to kind of take their mind off of that event. Um, there's also social support, which Gabby was saying, finding that social support is a form of treatment, you know, and helping you cope through that journey and also staying educated about your mental health condition and 
helping others understand what you need, you know, to better yourself. And I would also suggest, you know, uh, education is obviously a big component in this, but I would suggest not to Google random symptoms and uh, random terms that you may think could possibly have to do with you just because like, I think we've all gone through that rabbit hole of like looking something up and then it leads to something else. And then holy shit, you have lung cancer. What? No, maybe you don't. Um, so <laughs> everyone's experience with WebMD. Right. So maybe take it with a grain of salt at the beginning. Definitely seek out someone who is a professional and knows how to treat these sort of uh, disorders and conditions. And at the end of the day, I think it's very important that when that individual is ready to open up, that they do so to someone that they're close to, at least if they don't feel ready to go to a therapist, that's perfectly fine. If they don't feel like they're comfortable going to their parents, that's fine. But I think that at the end of the day, it's very important to let it out. And I know a lot of friends that love to journal about it, because they keep it to themselves. And it's, it's an outlet. Um, the most important thing is to not um, have it accumulate over months and years because at the end of the day in the long run it's going to be worse so I want to kind of segue into ment from mental health condition to just mental health in general right so according to the American Psych Psychiatric Association basically I think where people struggle is knowing that divide like, am I just doing bad mentally for a little bit or do I have a mental health condition? And the APA says, for instance, three not surefire ways, but three hints that you may need to seek more help is you can't function, whether it's anxiety or you're noticing like you can't get through a task because you're focused on something else or you feel like crippled, like the like your chest is heavy and you don't feel like you can get up or you don't leave your bed or you don't feel like speaking with anyone, like human interaction. Maybe you're an introvert, but you decided not to speak to anyone for three or four days and you feel bad. Like it's not, it has to be more than just a bad few hours or a bad one or two days. It needs to be, hey, I've been feeling like this way for a long period of time and no major event has happened. So if you had a death in your family, that is typical. If you perhaps are going through like a job loss or a breakup, like that's normal. But if you're waking up on a random Tuesday and you're like, I don't want to get out of bed, I can't do anything. That's probably a huge sign that you need to seek more help or that at that moment, you may have a mental health condition. As far as mental health, it's totally okay to have a down few days. As Danny mentioned, journal about it, recognize those feelings, associate yourself and identify what they are because that's one sense, that's one way to cope. And that's also one way to track, hey, I've been feeling down for a few days or I don't remember the last time I was really happy, change your behavior. Do you need to go out kayaking? Do you need to be in the sunlight? Do you need to go hang out with friends? And does that change your mood? Does that help? Those are easy, surefire ways, especially during the pandemic where a lot of social interaction was limited. Mm -hmm. Those are ways to recognize like and to cope when you're having a bad few days or you're not doing well mentally. And what happens if you notice a friend or a family with some of the signs that Gabby just mentioned? You notice someone isn't acting their usual way and it's been like at least a week or two and you're starting to get concerned. One of the biggest things you want to do is remember that you're not an expert and you're not going to have all the answers. 
always be sure to express your concern and willingness to listen to the person and don't be afraid to talk about it. One big tip that I found that was super important was using I statements instead of you statements. So for example, um, say I'm worried about you or I would like you to consider um, talking with a counselor then instead of saying you are this or you should go see a counselor um, and always be patient and try not to be judgmental of their thoughts and actions or pressure them because I think a lot of people aren't ready depending on what stage they're in or where they're at in life um, but we'll also provide some resources for you in case you want to remain anonymous and talk to someone that can still help you out but does not have that close personal relationship with you there's multiple hotlines out there that um, work 24 7 so if you're up in the middle of the night you know it's 3 a.m you you have someone to talk to and I think the important thing to remember too is do what you can for yourself for your friends if you know someone's going through a tough time or they might be coming to terms with a diagnosis or they might realize like they've been had they've been having a bad few days like buy them ice cream be a listening ear but if you can't do their laundry, cook them dinner, make sure they shower, like at the end of the day, you can only do so much when it comes to caring for others and also for caring for yourself. If you feel like you need help to figure out a meal for a day or if you need help to fig to feel a little bit happier or to learn new coping mechanisms and you want someone to explore that with you, don't be afraid to ask for that help, but don't be hurt if people can't commit because all of this is a personal journey at the end of the day and trying to get better with your mental health could be as easy as I need to plan a vacation and like mark that in my calendar. I need something to look forward to or I have an emotional support animal now. I take care of a dog and she's changed my mood a lot. Like these are things to be to consider. It's a personal responsibility for me, but she likes it. Mia, I know, enjoys my company and I enjoy hers. <laughs> but those are things to consider. I didn't have to rely on someone. I'm relying on my dog to make me get out of bed at three o'clock in the morning to walk her. Same. <laughs> I don't know if this is the best approach, but I love to nap. Like sometimes when I need to cool off and just um, like reassess, I just I sleep on it. <laughs> so I'll yeah, sleep. I love sleep. Yeah. Um, another thing I do is I carve out time like within my week where I treat myself and I do something for me. So whether I cook something different or I eat an extravagant dessert or I go out, you know, I was gonna say on my bike, but I don't really do that. But like something like outdoorsy that I don't normally do or if I hang out with friends or whatever it may be, I just carve out time for me that's not already normally in my schedule um and lastly i don't know i don't think i have a third one i used to journal a lot i, I haven't done that recently but i do rant <laughs> <laughs> i like to rant i need coping. to let it out yeah coping okay ways to cope um working out is such a big stress reliever sometimes i get um to the box and I all I want to do is just like oh, I just want to work out I'm mad or I'm stressed about work or someone pissed me off and then you know getting in that high intensity cardio and like you're just like you know leaving your sweat out on there on the floor 
that's good. It feels good. You're like releasing all that stress. You're releasing all your anger and that emotion. It's very cathartic. Number two, I love... I like to carve out time, but like I'll carve out a day where I'm just vegetating. I call it my vegetative states. Yes. I know I'm not doing anything. I am not picking up the computer. I am literally PJs all day. I'm in PJs all day watching TV, movies, whatever it is. Wallowing. I think it's perfectly fine. No, it is not wallowing. It is self care. (laughs) (laughs) Call it what you want. (laughs) And if I'm feeling extra lazy, I won't cook food and i'll order i'll make sure to order it's one of those days that you just have to order um Ooh, your favorite your favorite food yeah and and to your point danny i think sleeping i love to sleep i love to sleep and i tell people all the time that i think people don't sleep as much as they should and it's a big it it's it, you know it affects your mood it affects your your um your hunger levels your energy levels it is it is such a huge thing and having a good night's sleep is really nice. Sleeping in, sleeping in. I do that all the time when I can. <laughs> <laughs> so to that point, um, I recognize that, especially as a journalist, a lot of my life is go, go, go. And being a student, a podcast host, uh, someone who works a crazy schedule, a fiance, and I'm a long distance friend a lot of the times. So my, my time, it's, <laughs> wedding planning is stressful know, too. <laughs> so it's like another thing. It's definitely on the back burner, but it's a thing. Yeah, um, okay. One thing that I realized that I love is slow mornings, like not taking my coffee on the go, but actually taking time to make a nice mm. coffee, like mm-hmm. either listen to my to a podcast or like just have a slow morning before getting up and going, you know, and like starting my day. Um, that's a form of self-care planning out. Okay. This day going to ease into everything. <laughs> um, I also really like, I love being organized. So I like giving myself time to get organized, whether it's mm-hmm. setting up my Google calendar and taking my time to do it, not like hurriedly, like typing something in and like planning out a few of my days better or doing my planner and making it look pretty like with markers and colors and whatnot <laughs> and all that, that it, helps, it helps it does it's just because coloring is soothing but like I sometimes feel like I'm wasting time when I'm coloring so I, I try to be productive and do both and I also like to vegetate so yes. I pick a bad chick flick to watch like yes. you know what I had a stressful day I'm gonna stay a up rom-com. late tonight yes Good rom-com. And I, I say like, I call it my guilt-free hours. Like I either buy something I wanted or like a snack or food or watch a movie that I know no one else probably would have watched with me. Like <laughs> I'm just doing something guilt-free and it's cause it's just for me. I'm not thinking about repercussions or any of that. I love and it. I try to have responsible guilt-free hours, but I'm about it. So slow mornings, taking my time to get organized, not, not doing it because my schedule so full mm-hmm. and having guilt-free hours which I think actually after listening to all of us we kind of do the same things <laughs> I think it's like learning to appreciate the little things yes you know how I I, I hate this advice so please don't tell anyone this <laughs> take things one step at a time like no you can't always do that <laughs> But planning, hey, I'm going to tackle the next thing after this, after I take a break, I think that's more important. Yes. Like that's more sound advice. Please don't, biggest pet peeve, don't tell me to take things one one thing at a time because obviously I can't actually do 12 things at once. Uh, even bigger, <laughs> a bigger pet peeve, don't tell me what to do. Let me just 
<laughs> Let me just be. I'll figure it out. No, Guys, but yeah, I agree. He's about to start a rant. Gabby, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrap it up before she's ranting. <laughs> On that note, we I covered a lot today, y'all. Like it was a lot, but I hope some of our personal advice and personal stories can help you figure it out. And whether it's to talk to yourself and look internally or lean onto a friend, don't be afraid to be like, "Oye." Let's talk how you're doing mentally. Are you mentally healthy today? And go from there.